Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George, I have news for you, man. What's that? They're coming for you. (laughs) They're coming (laughs) for you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Barbara. (laughs) And we watched Night of the Living Dead. George, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. I have already cracked two Stellas. Oh, snap. Now, I do you crack them in order pre- or do you crack them simultaneously? No, like we were about to record. Like I'm going to be sitting here for like an hour talking to you guys, right? So I hope so. I just went to the fridge and I grabbed two Stellas and I cracked them both. Stella! Now, what's your technique? Are you a left, right, left, <laughs> right kind of fellow? Or are you no, like no, a, just... a left, 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 right, 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 right kind of fellow? I I finish one and then I move on to the next. But isn't the second one like super flat by the time you get to it? No, because I drink the first one fast. Oh, gotcha. And then I savor the second one. Hmm. Hmm. What are you drinking, Travis? Air right now. How do we turn into that his, podcast? His Ooh. own saliva. <laughs> My saliva. <laughs> Ew. Sucking down some saliva. I mean, better his than anyone else's, I guess. This is true. Although, speak for yourself. Especially nowadays. <laughs> yeah, right? Stay away from the saliva. Holy mackerel, guys. So anyway. So you, you watched Night of the Living Dead. Yes. What year was this movie made? 68. 68. Okay. Uh-oh. Nothing else happened in 68. <laughs> <laughs> Real oh, slow yeah, there year. There was nothing going on. A very slow year. Nothing really was going on politically and... <laughs> Now, before we get into the flick, uh, just for a little bit of context for the listeners, uh, you, George, have seen the entire series of The Walking Dead or nearly the entire series. Is that correct? Nearly, yes. And you consider yourself a fan of The Walking Dead? Sure, yeah. Okay. So that's important. Yeah, probably probably more than most people. This ain't your first go around with the uh, the walking, not the talking, undead, undead mm-hmm. chompy chomps. No, no, no. I love... Uh, I love The Walking Dead. Um, one of my favorite movies that Travis showed me back way back in the day is Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Um, great rom drom com zom whatever zom drom com yeah. <laughs> yeah whatever that is. Um, <laughs> all those all the ums. Yeah, I like. Uh, I'm I'm into zombie movies. Yeah. Okay. When done well. Now, have you right. seen any zombie movies besides Shaun of the Dead? Because it sounds more like your zombie movie curious rather than like, mm. you know, a hardened fan of the the Chompers. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of anything. Well, nine seasons of Walking Dead yeah, is kind of exactly. an investment, I think. Yeah, so... Sadly, a lot of the great references in that show are lost on him because he's not a zombie fan yet so you're saying he's gonna have to watch nine seasons again to understand what the heck he was looking at (laughs) i might do that he missed a lot of references yeah but still doesn't ruin your experience so let's start at the beginning george yes what is your initial impression having watched for the first time the the movie that basically created the genre that you've already enjoyed thanks to walking dead well I have a uh, 
an idea of how this podcast was going to go mm. from what, like just watching the movie. I'm like, okay, this is how this podcast is going to be. I'm going to not like it. And then you guys are going to explain to me how this is the movie that did all of this blah, 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 blah first. And that's why it's important. Am okay. I, am I right? Pretty much what, Kinda. what uh, the whole show's about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not. It's not always like you know. But the you know. No. Oh, this movie's great because it did it first. Why it's, it's like, important? Why is it important? Right. right. Why? Why it's important? Okay. So the movie itself, before hearing any background from you guys or like why these things are important, pr- I'm not not great. Not, right. Like not really good. Very low budget. Okay. Um, I have notes. In fact, if you'd like to hear them. Are they going to break Damn. my heart? Yes, they will. All right. And I have a bunch of them, so... I'm ready. Break my heart. All right. Night of the Living Dead. First attack is pretty intense when Barbara is in the car with no keys and the zombie's just beating the window. Also, I noticed at that point, zombie uses a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of tropes uh, were not established yet. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I also made notes. I was like, zombies don't use tools. But he's picking up a rock. He's going to break that window. I'm like, is this even a zombie? What's going on here? Is it a zombie? Anyway, I mm. think so. Continue. Or an opportunist. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed all the nice taxidermy in the house. Mm. Um, I have a I have a note <laughs> when I think it's what the guy's what's the guy's name? Ben. Ben's ben. trying to talk to her and she won't talk. I'm like, Jesus, Barbara, pull yourself together. And then he does. <laughs> 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 Here you go. When she when she brought back those little pieces of two by two after he asked for wood to board up the windows and doors, <laughs> I would have put that bitch outside. <laughs> like you are no help. Get yeah. out. Get out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, she's y- yammering on about Johnny, and he's like, "Bitch, take a nap." <laughs> I could picture Sam Jackson saying that to him. Man, bitch, please. <laughs> I was like, I wrote, "Good for him." Joking. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, okay, the cellar is safer. We get it. The cellar has really high ceilings. Jesus, we get it. The cellar is safer. <laughs> oh my God. The dialogue is just these idiots going on about the most obvious shit. Like, all of the men go back and forth debating the pros and cons of the cellar and the upstairs. Then Mr. Cooper goes down in the cellar and debates his wife about it. Again, same points. Really driving it home for the audience. Uh, Mr. Cooper reminds me of the inconceivable guy from The Princess yeah. Bread. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara's brother was killed. Third time I've heard it. The gas pump is locked. Yes, we established that like five minutes into the movie. Oh my God, there's a fucking key ring with the key for the gas pump. And number one, Mr. Cooper is not getting his face smashed in for not mentioning this key ring sooner. And number two, nobody is jumping for joy that they're getting the fuck out of there. Oh my god, we're going to debate for 20 minutes the pros and cons of leaving versus staying. Face palm. Okay, well, <laughs> that couldn't have gone any worse. That's when the truck yeah. exploded. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that couldn't have gone worse. Uh, well, the tr- the burning truck could have drove into the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could have been Yeah, it could have been worse, I guess. Mr. Cooper is a coward and that's been Ben's problem with him this whole time. That's his name, right, Ben? Ben. 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 Yeah. Okay. Or final girl. <laughs> okay, this is funny. This is when they're interviewing Chief McClellan. They beat him off. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that did make like, me giggle. 
And that guy's like from New York, man. He's like, yeah, so, gonna, yeah, yeah. We just, yeah, we beat him off. <laughs> we beat him off. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this <laughs> guy. Don't know what. <laughs> This yeah, guy like, must have been a friend of the director because yeah, he like can't joke. act for shit. You're definitely watching the wrong Night of the Living Dead when they start yeah. beating the zombies off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he beat them off. Yeah. Oh shit! It's like Joe Pesci as the co- as the cop. Quote: I've got to get my hands on that gun. Cue situation where the gun becomes available. Face palm again. <laughs> Karen, Karen. The Walking Dead did this scene much better. Also, nice knowing you, Barbara. <laughs> he ended up in the cellar anyway. The end doesn't make sense. The zombies should still have been scratching and clawing at the cellar door until morning when the hit crew showed up. Mm. If it were written that way, Ben would have survived. Also, even overlooking the fact that the zombies didn't behave consistently um, with Ben and the cellar door and everything, the way Ben goes out is so unfulfilling. Mm. I will not watch this movie again, ever. Mm. That's what mm. you think. <laughs> Changed my mind. Well, next week's wow. uh, episode is Night of the Living Dead. We made George watch it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> and if he doesn't change his attitude, it'll be three in a row. <laughs> it might, uh, I might watch it again. Damn straight. Anyways, yeah. You, Take me to school. You what's, will. what's going on here? You'll watch it again with a different eye. Hmm. Jeez Louise. A little bit of background for you, George. This is not the first zombie movie. A lot of people refer to it as the originator of the zombie genre. And in a lot of ways, it is the beginning of the rules that we now know and love. You know, the uh, headshot kills the zombie, eating human flesh, uh, dead bodies rising from various states of death to attack the living. All these things have a lot of their roots in this movie but there's like almost 30 zombie movies made before this one okay what you need to know about the earlier zombie movies in general now this is not meant to be the definitive statement on zombie movies nor is it probably all-inclusive because i'm sure there were hints of this in other movies but for the most part your earlier zombies are mind-controlled kind of semi-autonomous beings under the control of usually one bad guy, sometimes under voodoo, you know? Okay. Under the control of the undefined voodoo powers, that kind of deal. Or supernatural, like The Mummy. I mean, that's another zombie-type film. In okay. That's a mummy movie, not a zombie movie. It's a mummy. <laughs> well, I mean, the undead, basically. That idea of the undead, or the if, those that are dead if coming mummies back to are, life. If mummies are alive, they're zombies. They're just mummy zombies. They're just they're anything mummies. that should be dead and is alive is a zombie. What if it's Even not if alive? It's but it's paper. but it's undead. It's a zombie. It's still a zombie. Yep. Or is a zombie shared? Is it that thing where all zombies is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> I don't think it's, it's a hot dog sandwich <laughs> situation. I think it's more like a, uh, you know, all mummies are undead, all zombies are undead, but not all zombies are mummies. That kind of thing. Like they Absolutely. share, I agree they with share that. Yeah. a Absolutely. higher level of undeadity, undeaditude, undeadification, undeadedness. Plus, mummies are usually curse driven. They're not so much radioactive or, you know, whatever it is or, the storyline. Or a saying. virus or something. Virus like that. or satellite crashing or whatever it is. Like, mummies are curse driven, gotcha. which is kind of voodoo ish as gotcha. well as that same. Okay. 
So a lot of the early zombie movies have a lot in common with ghost movies as well, where it's, if not robotic humans controlled by a bad guy, it's a little bit more like sins of the past or, you know, some memory coming to attack us now just in the form of an anthropomorphic uh, corpse walking. But if you notice in this movie, there isn't an emphasis at all on how any of these people died, who these people were before they were uh, ghouls, as this movie refers to them. It never actually says the word zombie. No, mm-hmm. you're right, it doesn't. But never once do they assign any kind of motivation to the uh, zombies, the ghouls, which is new. It's kind of a new idea that you don't have any connection to what they used to be in life. Now they are just basically just like a walking hazard. They're not an intelligent threat. Instead, they are simply like a... uh, An obstacle? An obstacle. Yeah, but what's an obstacle that comes at you? You know, it's not necessarily something you have to avoid, right? right? These aren't just like deer in the middle of the highway. They're still coming at you. They're contracting around you. Almost like a noose, right? Hmm. But they are just rope. There's no... The malice does not lie within the actual implement as it contracts around you. Well, I think even back in this movie's established very early, the same thing they established in Walking Dead is that the dead are an obstacle. The living is the danger. Like, people suck. Yes, these are monsters. Yes, they will eat you. Yes, they will bite you. They will attack you, but they're... Right, but with a, with a zombie... You know where you stand. You know a zombie's going to try and bite right. you. You know they're going to try and get but you. But you have Mr. Cooper... Who is... Who's just... Who may or may not open the door for you when right. you need him to. Or exactly. he may or may not try to dr- grab your gun to take mm-hmm. over the whole... Yeah, exactly. And yes. that, to me, is the thing that always draws me to zombie films, because they've... They're either cool, they're gross, they're, you know, the effects, this and that. Well, yeah, they have have all that good shit. They have all that stuff. To me, I enjoy the human stories. How did the people survive? Who are they before this happened? Like, I would love to see a movie based on, you know, where did Ben come from? What's his background? Is he military? Is he he just somebody's dad? Is he a baseball coach? Is he, what is he? Right. You know, we know Barbara, we know she was probably nothing. Because she, she was became, probably useless in yeah, whatever she, she was, was trying useless to do, yes. <laughs> from the beginning, <laughs> useless. But yeah, some of the characters, even Cooper, you know, what was he? You know what kind of person he is, but right. you know, I'm always interested in what, how these people got to this point and how they are, why they are who they are, why are they a threat? You know, you look at somebody like Cooper and you hate him from the beginning because you know, you don't, but you kind of do through Walking Dead. He he's he's weak. He's weak from the beginning. You know he's the problem. Yes. Uh, maybe watching this movie back in '68, you got to kind of feel that. I, I mean, a little bit. dude, I knew it as soon as he said, "Well, you're asking me to just like risk my life for someone that right. might be in trouble." And he's like, "Yeah, kinda." Like, but then you kind of like to duh. yourself, "Okay, I have children. <laughs> my daughter's down in the basement. Do I want to bring strangers down there?" Like, you have to kind of put yourself in that mentality, that Rick Grimes right. thought process. Well, this. The Walking Dead does a great job of that. Right. Like. Once you trust somebody, then they go and they turn on your group. Right. Like, it's just you don't know. This movie only happens in one night. It's right. not a seven-year span. Right. So you got to really judge these people by their cover. 
basically. And that's kind sure. of like the underlying truth of this movie is it's nineteen sixty eight. You have a black lead. Uh he's he's the final girl. Yeah. Like all these things are are being thrown at you. He he bitch slaps a white woman, uh puts her in her place, puts he, Cooper in his place, puts everybody her. yeah, puts everybody in their place. Yeah. That's unheard of in nineteen sixty eight. So yeah. it's like when you watch this, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. But when you think of the time period and the commentary, and I'm sure Dan's going to get into that, that's what makes this movie stand out for me because it does give you that and it starts to give you character development, but it just never does give you full. It can't. It, it can't, can't like, no a, like a whole series right. could. But There's more development of Barbara and, and Johnny than Ben and Cooper. Like, you know more about them too. You know about their dad, their mom, you know, how far away they live, how far that drive was. Right. The parents aren't all together anymore. Like all these things you learn about them and then you're thrown in the Ben's life and you don't know where he came from, what he's up to. You just know he's he's the only <laughs> brain in this whole movie. Well, the other the other guy was okay. He was okay. The guy that got blew up in the truck. Right. He was helpful and he was useful. Because he was a level head. Right. Cooper was not. Right. But then he had a daughter downstairs and a wife. So you got to kind of think of that too. Like he's an asshole, but he's trying to survive. He's trying to, he knows his daughter's sick. What was the, uh, what was the daughter's name in the walking dead that I'm thinking of that walks out of the barn? Oh, spoiler alert. (laughs) Sophia's dead. Yeah. Sophia. Okay. So in, in this movie at the end, really, it really annoyed me. I don't know why in the end when Cooper, Gets shot, goes down the stairs, ends up dying down there. Apparently, so does Karen, the girl, little girl. Yeah. Because she ends up eating her dad, which is kind of like, ugh. Mm. Um, and then she ends up killing her mom. Slasher style. Slasher style. Which I thought was a issue. That really bothered me. Mm-hmm. I wrote that down. And, what and bothered you? I don't know you, why, George, but like. What, tell me more, because I, I, you know, I just what think What bothers that, you about that? I want to know. All right. Dan, have you have you ever seen The Walking Dead? I have not, and I don't plan okay. to. So, spoil away. Okay, there think. is there is a I think it's season two, uh, when they're on the farm. It's a uh, Herschel's farm, and Herschel. They nobody knows this, but Herschel has a barn full of walkers, right? And they're all of his friends because like, he thinks they're sick and yeah, they can be cured. They right. yeah, he thinks that they might be able to be cured eventually, right? So he has them in this barn. He's feeding them chickens. You know, there are all these people that he knows and the people that he's... You including know, his wife. Including his wife, all these people that he that he found that he just has them in this barn. Nobody knows about them. He hasn't told any of the, any of the Walking Dead people about them. There comes a point... Oh, also, like, for a couple of weeks, they're looking for Sophia, Carol's daughter, kids, yeah. who got lost in the woods. They're looking for her, looking for her. Every day, they're looking for her. At some point, they find out that Herschel is holding a bunch of zombies in this barn, and the most aggro guy who's trying to be in control of everything, Shane, I think is his name. Shane. Shane breaks open the barn. The walkers come, you know, just filing out, and, and, he's, and he just picks them off. Boom, 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 boom. And, like, everyone is in shock, and... It's like what, like he's killing this guy's all of family. this guy's friends and family that he has in this barn. And Herschel's sitting there with this face, like, "What the f?" 
Okay, and then I've been doing. you think that all of every, that all the zombies are out of the barn. The last one that comes out Just is Sophia. The girl they've been looking for. The little for girl half that they've the been season. looking for. Right. That is how you do that scene. Yeah. Uh, right. I don't know. In a zombie movie. I don't know. I think Or in a zombie show. Uh, yeah, that's how you do it on a zombie soap opera when you've got seven years of development to do and you got plenty of time to build in these. It things. was the second season, dude. It wasn't like the ninth season. You've still got I, like, what, it was like, this... I think in George's defense, because I've seen this movie multiple times. I've seen it probably twenty five times. I've wanted I've watched it for research. I've wanted to direct a stage play version of it. That like I, I'm into this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that can be done better. To me, I, it always bothered me that like George said, that they are able to pick things up and use them. Like the zombies were using rocks to break the headlights and they were using a rock. Rock to break, to break the, the window. Window, Barbara. They were. He picked up a uh, a, a table leg. Yeah. To bang on the door. Now that stuff can be looked past, but the little girl picking, choosing a weapon, off the wall and stabbing multiple times instead of just eating her face. Right. That always bothered me. She should have just ate her face. Should have just grabbed her mom. Maybe have her mom lean over her like Karen. Are you? What's what's wrong? Have her like make whatever noise, and then when she spins over, yeah, she's she's undead, and she rips into her mother's face. To me, that would have been way more yeah. Impactful. Or or she just bites her, or bites her, or right. she just bites her, and she runs upstairs, and Ben goes, yeah, not your, your girl is a zombie, and now you're gonna be too. So bye bye, boom. Right, that's how that that scene should go. Okay, but that is how they would have directed that scene, even as early as like 1980. But we're not there yet. There are no rules right. yet. This movie is creating rules as it goes. And after this movie, other filmmakers are going to pick up the mantle and they're going to help kind of refine what should and should not be kept within the zombie mythos. Right. right. Okay, so hold on, though. That rule is in this movie already. They were talking on the TV about how, you know, you know how when people die couple of minutes they come back right. to life it's because of this radiation blah, blah 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 and you can tell that the cogs in ben's mind are going when that girl kicks the bucket she's coming back mm-hmm. right he knows that like and he knows that when after he kills cooper and cooper comes back he's got to kill him again mm-hmm. like those that rule is already established in this movie the only thing that you haven't really done is is taking taking it into account and preemptively doing something about it, which you can reasonably get to without having to wait until 1980. I thought we were complaining about zombies using tools. We are. Because that rule's that not I established def- yeah. yet. That's what I'm okay. saying. Now, killing... So, are you arguing that Ben should just put a bullet in the child's head before she comes back alive? Well, Ben doesn't know she's alive. Ben, ben doesn't know that she's a zombie yet. Until he goes downstairs. Right. Ben, no, she comes upstairs. Oh, okay. And, That's right. And attacks him, and he goes, "Oh, that. Yep. There's the little girl. She's a zombie now." But when he goes downstairs, Cooper's already down there. He's already shot Cooper, mm-hmm. and Cooper comes back to life. And he's like, "It doesn't surprise him." He's like, "Boom!" Mm-hmm. Like knew that was gonna happen. So, what I'm saying is, it's not a far leap to just preemptively, "Oh, you got bit by a zombie." Well, guess what? Pop. I don't know that you're taking into account the human factor because while these people do end up no longer human, 
beings, these ghouls, while they are still alive and not yet dead, they are still human. But earlier in the movie, he had no problem beating any of them to death and having any human face on them. Like, I know what you're saying, but they've established very early that he's already checked into the Rick Grimes school. Right, he's going to do what he's got to do. <laughs> yeah. He's even, he might even be worse than Rick Grimes. Right. Like, he might be Carol level. Yeah, I think I think uh, Cooper's more like a Herschel where he's like, okay, she's got a fever, she's sick, uh, I'm just going to nurse her until, until the military shows up and we'll be fine. Right. Like his wife was. Right. Ben's already, like you said, he already knows. They're going to become undead. Yeah. Period. So they're on two different pages. That's been established. Again, all that stuff I don't have a problem with. It's, it was just the using the uh, trowel, mm-hmm. which has become iconic. I get it. But it just, to me, seemed almost out of character. Even though things weren't established yet and they're making rules, there's just certain things where you have to think to yourself, okay, this thing is supposed to be a thing. We've already established that they've been dead and now they're reanimated. Uh, they're ghouls. They are uh, basically just aimlessly. They've been showing them to aimlessly be walking around. They're not mm-hmm. sitting down and drawing shit in the dirt. <laughs> you right. Know? So they've already established that they are lobotomized people. Mm-hmm. Looking for something, looking for someone to eat. Something to eat. Yep. And it's not, to me, they turned Karen into a murderer. Like, she was not a instinctive, driven, you know, for a thirst for blood to, for sustenance. She looked like she was not undead, and she planned this the whole time to kill her mother. And to me, that seemed out of character. Yeah, I think just like, like you said, using the tool, she was trying to kill her. She right. wasn't trying to eat her. And she stabbed her like, what, 10 times? Right. She was trying to kill her, not trying to eat her. Right. Like, usually the way you die is because a bunch of zombies try to eat you. Right. Well, there is, no, was there is com- no usually yet because this is the first one. So I understand right. your point. But <laughs> All right, I get it. I mean, a lot of what you guys are doing is, you know, you're saying that Ben should be part of the Rick Grimes school or maybe he's part of the Herschel school. But when in reality, both those guys are part of the Ben school, because right. Ben did it first. But see, I felt this way even before I even knew what Walking Dead was. Like, again, I've been watching this movie for a long time, and I always felt these things. So really, to me personally, maybe for George it does, but this has nothing to do with Walking Dead. I was just trying to give, like, a reference. Well, and uh, what you're going to see se. is if, you know, later as zombie movies do kind of take this as basically its own Halloween, right? This is the one that puts it all together and creates the rules from which everything else will come. You're going to have people that look at it and go, ugh, you know, tools, maybe if we don't have them use tools, they'll be scarier. Maybe if we only have them attack people with, you know, hand-to-hand grabbing and and biting and stuff, maybe that'll make it more effective. So there were people having these conversations back in 69 and 70, Mm -hmm. but in this movie, contained only to this movie, you establish that zombies use tools, and then a zombie mm-hmm. uses a tool, and then it's all consistent within that one universe. So be careful to pull in what you know from everything that's happened since then. If you look at just this movie, and you think, okay, I'm George Romero, it's 1967 and 8, I'm making a zombie movie unlike any movie anyone has made so far, and I have to figure out a way to have a little kid kill their mom and make it believable, right? 
and they make it a point the whole movie these zombies are weak and not physically challenging right like they exist and they are a barrier they're an obstacle but they aren't superhuman you know jumping and grabbing and super strong so if you have a child who's already less strong than the parent also now they're a zombie so they're even less strong than they were before and you need to create this moment of horror because you've decided that the way that you can make this movie say what you want it to say is the child kills the mom and eats her you need to find a way within the confines of the rules you're establishing on the fly, which they do by giving her a tool, which is something that's already established in this movie. For all those reasons that you stated, like how George Romero is going to get this little girl to kill and eat her own mom. For all those reasons, like she's smaller, she's, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's smaller, she's weaker. Zombies aren't superhuman. These are all reasons that I think of when I think that's why it should have been a A more intimate embrace bite you on the neck. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And you'll see in, you know, I can think of one movie in particular, 1981's Burial Grounds, which is an Italian zombie movie that I'm never going to make you watch. They do that exact (laughs) scene in a way that I can't even describe on this podcast, but I'll send you the link at some point. Uh, okay. Woo! It's it's fucked up, but it's... Woo! Anyway. Uh, <laughs> two. It's a two-woo. It's a... <laughs> it might be a three-woo, guys. It's... Woo. So what's funny is, as Dan was <laughs> describing that, it was I was checking off boxes of every reason why not to use a tool. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the same. I'm same like thinking, here. okay, if if George Romero was thinking that, he didn't succeed. No, same here. And I love George Romero, and I love this movie for and multiple reasons. But to me, that was it almost I don't want to say jump the shark, but to me, it was the scene where it took me out of it. Yeah, there was a there was a lot of things about this movie that. I kind of felt like they were really, really driving it home harder than it needed to be driven home. But again, that has to do with the fact that it's the first real tackling of this idea. Does it? And like, it's do the you guy's have first have movie, the... you know? And yeah. it's a like, local Pittsburgh production. He's not going to Hollywood. He's got his friends in it. He's kind of Kevin Smith-ish. It's a little clerksy. Like, <laughs> yeah, a little clerksy. Like, he's just like repeating... <laughs> certain important plot things four times. There is a lot of mansplaining. Just to make sure that the audience (laughs) is on the same page as to what's going on here. Like, oh, I gotta get my hands on that gun. It's like, why not just have the gun drop and have a scene where you can tell what's going through his mind. Oh, he's gonna try and grab that gun and take over. You know what I mean? You don't need that line. It kind of makes you remember the Winchester, though, doesn't it? Sure does, doesn't talk- it? Because <laughs> they talk about that damn gun the whole damn movie. Yeah, they do. And then it finally comes useful. You know that, and you know, like, you know, the what's her face's brother died. The the keys, like. All of these things yeah. repeated over. Like, why are we going to be in the basement or the upstairs? Are we going to leave? Are we going to stay? Like, I get it. Now, did you get did it. you note, George, that the uh, the firearm that you're referring to, the gun, is actually a Winchester repeater? I I'm I'm not as well versed in those kinds of guns. Well, that's why it's the I, Winchester and Shaun of the Dead. I thought it might be. So, yeah. 
Yeah. One thing that I want to point out, because there's a lot we need to cover thematically, but while we're on the topic of the firearms, the yes. Winchester. <laughs> here we go, guys. Guns, guns, guns. No, the Winchester is traditionally uh, a weapon of the West. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weapon that you'd normally see in movies like True Grit, right? Or. Uh, right. It's usually a saddle gun. Like, uh, ooh, death saddle rides gun. a horse. Yeah. There's yeah. one. Like the rifleman was yeah, the rifleman. a Winchester. So yeah. there's a certain kind of Alamo feel to this movie that I think they're mm-hmm. trying to get you to think about. It's interesting because it is the mid-60s. The U.S. Army at this point is using the M16 in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. There are much more appropriate weapons to use if you were uh, like a farm owner. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. you would expect to find hunting rifles, bolt action, right. Springfield type stuff. Mm-hmm. The Winchester Shotguns. is a choice. It is not mm-hmm. an accident. It's just a really interesting comment on this. It's basically the Alamo, right? This final stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, final stand. I like it. It's it's good. It's a nice little touch, a little bit of character development in a firearm, which you guys know I love firearm character development. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I like it. It's fun. That's always been my favorite part of of this movie and the genre in general. Again, is that last stand feel. You know, you're hunkered down with five, ten people, sometimes people you would not be associating with, but you're forced together. And and sometimes everyone's from out of town. Right. Well, And that's a trope. That's a huge trope that is going to (laughs) pervade the, the rest of zombiedom. Right, that's not going yeah. away, but that starts here. Nope. That's right. that's a Romero invention. That's great. I love that. You know, force people to to survive, force them to get along, force them to figure it out. Because or, in the end, or don't, or don't. <laughs> but in the end, the the I think Walking Dead kind of established it with their one catchphrase. They say, you know, fight the dead, fear the living. Hey, this is Dan and Post. I think we can all agree that. Fight the dead, fear the living is pretty much uh, Old Testament Romero, but uh, I got tired of hammering the guys about it, but I'm doing it here when they can't stop me. So, yeah, Old Testament zombie, Book of Romero is what that, that is. I think it was like season two or three, you know, because that's what they are. They're, when you figure out how to handle the dead, you're never going to figure out people. How many walkers have you killed? Right. How many people, people have you killed? And why? Why? Yeah. And to me, that's that that's it. That's what they boil it down to. Yeah. So this movie, again, established that, and that's why I love this movie. And the remake, which takes that to the next level, because the characters are more developed. I might like to see the remake. Now, here's the thing I want to talk to you about, George. And, and Travis, sure. we should talk about this. When you discuss character development and a kind of a lack thereof, what I would say to that is uh, it's not a nine season, 22 episodes a season, one hour at a time show, so kiss my ass. Right. Uh, but also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the thing about this movie in particular is it doesn't really matter who these people were an hour ago. Just like we don't ever discuss who these ghouls were in their previous life in this movie, right? These are just bodies moving forward Mm -hmm. the humans at this moment of panic at this moment of crisis 
it is the crisis that changes them, defines them for the movie and for the rest of each of their lives. Right. So at the moment of panic, Barbara, who was talkative, well-adjusted, friendly, if anything, kind of uh, funny, right? Mm-hmm. Moment of crisis mm-hmm. hits, turns her off. Right. The main family, uh, is it the Coopers? Yeah. Coopers, yeah. The Coopers might have been good folks. Might have been but- helpful in their community. Might have been just a traditional, good old-fashioned, on their way to two-and-a-half-kids American family. But right. crisis hits, and suddenly you've got the injured daughter and what that does to the family dynamic. You've got mm-hmm. the selfish decisions that Cooper starts making that he thinks in the moment actually benefit him when in reality they actually leave him more vulnerable. Who are these people before? It doesn't matter. Ben, who knows? But in this moment of crisis, he's the only one with a chance to keep those people alive. Can, can I... Uh, I, th- I think that... The, what's getting lost in translation is my my definition of character develop, development and yours. <laughs> when I say character development, I think not as a writer, but as a director, actor. Like, you have situations that are on the page. An actor's job is to read those things, learn their character, develop their character or character study or whatever it is they call it, figure out what you want, how you want it, how you're going to get it. What do you need in each scene? Which do you need in each act? And what do you need in the entire play and or movie? If that's established, fine. If it's well acted, even better. If the director's on board for that, even better. You get you get stuff like Silence of the Lambs where everything's working, full power. They're saying shit with their eyes and you're hearing it, right. but they didn't say a word because you're already feeling what they're telling you with their eyes. That's when it works. This movie, when I think of that, I don't think they need to spend two hours on who Ben was and the bank he worked in. And all. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. You can take two minutes and establish something. It's almost like if an actor is acting like they're a, you know, if if an actor is acting like they're an ex-military guy. Right. You put the pieces together. You know if they're acting it correctly. Right. That they're... Just by the, the way they act and that, talk. and Right. And you don't even have to mention it. You know, you can just tell that that's, the, that's their background. Right. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a Walking Dead situation or even a zombie movie. If it's done right, you get a minute of it and you're, you get all the information you need. Right. And it doesn't have to be a half hour or two weeks. Like, there's a, there is an episode in Walking Dead where two guys come out of nowhere into a bar where the main characters are. You meet them for 20 minutes. It's the most tense scene in probably five seasons. It's very like, who's going to draw their gun first? They're just saying little things, but everything they're doing physically, you know, these guys are bad. Right. They're waiting for their moment to basically kill the main characters. Yes. But they don't say any of that. Right. You watch it, you feel it, you know it, and it's basically all body language and position and all you know, eyes. It's it's just that standoff that Dan's talking about with this, that Alamo feel, and it's done so well. You don't need five weeks to find out who these guys are. You just learned it in four minutes. Now let's play. Right. If, if that's done right, that twenty five minutes is 
great movie. It's great cinema. If it's done terribly, you just are flicking channels. You're looking at your cell phone. Yeah. To me, that's what's lacking in a lot of old movies. You don't get that until you see a remake like the remake of Friday the 13th. Everything we talked about was in that movie. Same thing with uh, some of the newer zombie movies we're going to see maybe in the future. You might go, that's what I wanted to see. Mm. So, you know, that's why wanna, this is fun. I want to see the remake of this because I want to see what where they went with it. But anyway. Walking Dead. <laughs> 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 it's definitely been done well in many movies. It's been done horribly in many movies. Just the director and the writing. And the acting. Very important. But I I know what Dan's talking about. Like, a show like that, yeah, they get all this time. And they can do the soap opera thing. But they don't need to. That show could have been five episodes long. But you're going to not give a shit about a lot of people. Right. Those years help you figure out you know, develop people into the point where you're like, you're but, understanding a but lot more. you don't need nine seasons to develop good no, characters. you don't. And, and a lot of times... Build a, uh, if you're trying to build a universe, then yeah, nine right, seasons works. Right. But in a movie, like, you don't need nine seasons. You no. can have it with a couple lines of dialogue and you can have it most especially with good acting. Well, look at Lord of the Rings. Would, yeah. Would that have been a good story, just a three-hour movie? All sure. three, all three movies in three hours. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Might have been better, but <laughs> yeah. But again, Hot when take you get on the Lord of the Rings, it's six hours. A lot of people think it was it was too long. It's too much wandering. It's wandering for about six hours it's... and about two hours of action. But I mean, but it's a lot of books that they're trying to put in them. No, not... I I'm not saying that. I like Lord of the Rings, but right. a lot of people say that it would have been better as one movie, one three and a half hour movie. Would have, would have been fine, but that's some people, not me. So, guys, I'm going to transition here, but I, I'm going to, you'll see where I'm going with this. Do you guys watch football? Sometimes. Only when it's rigged. You know the thing <laughs> where... Uh, Which is all the time. Every year, some team comes out of college and just lights the world on fire. It's usually Alabama, Clemson, and they beat everybody they see by 30 points and LSU. You always yeah. hear somebody mm-hmm. say, "Man, I'd like to see worst NFL team play best college team just once." Cuz I think mm. I think Clemson could take the Houston Texans, right? Mm-hmm. And NFL like guys Apollo Creed Rocky storyline. Yeah. NFL yeah. guys always double over laughing at the dumbest thing they've ever heard because even on a Clemson or an Alabama, you might have you know, on a good Alabama team, you might have half the team of starters, 10, 11 guys end up starting in the NFL eventually, right? But you're still talking about mm-hmm. 30 or 40 guys on that team that just, they're going to go into selling cars when they get out of college. They're going to get Joe jobs, and that's fine. They're just not NFL athletes. Right. When you guys talk about your ambitions for the casting of these movies that are made for $10 in the 60s, it just it makes me think okay <laughs> this movie cannot play against your movies that were made in hollywood for billions of dollars 
I mean, it, I, I laughed out loud when you brought up Lord of the Rings, which is like, what, the most expensive movie New Line's ever done? <laughs> like, yeah. But that's because of effects. I'm talking about <laughs> stories, the characters. Well, yeah, like, look at the resumes of those actors, dude. Like, yeah, the, the actors I are mean, really... I mean, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> you have the best actor of a generation playing Hannibal Lecter and one of the best actors of her generation in Jodie Foster. I mean, mm-hmm. you have... No excuses. You have so <laughs> much talent, whereas... I, I looked at the resume of just the four leads from Night of the Living Dead, and this is pretty much everybody's first movie, and most of them mm-hmm. do less than 10 things in their career. Like, these guys are not of that quality because George Romero can't get quality actors like that because he's making this movie for $10 in a ham sandwich. So mm-hmm. you have to have expectations mm-hmm. that equate to what... You know, no, no. Every movie can be beautiful. Hold on a second. <laughs> I can... I can debate that solely because I've done plays oh, golly. for free with people that are phenomenal actors. Stage actors. No, actors. People that could go on screen and do a show, or do a movie like that, low budget, and kill it. Because you have to be... you. It, yeah, the budget's not there, but the words are still there. The words are there, and if you're an actor, and you're a good actor, you take those words you take and those you words make them and into you turn something. it into Silence of the Lambs. But are these actors? I mean, I don't are know. these guys good actors, or are these just no. the best available to George Romero <laughs> in Pittsburgh? I mean, think of Walking Dead and the casting call that they would have put out. From is it AMC that makes The Walking Dead? Yeah. Mm. So you've got corporate money coming out the the wazoo. You've probably got a team of casting folks, what eight or ten people. You've got headshots from a couple thousand actors for every role. Mm-hmm. Plus, you've got time for screen tests. Plus, you've got... I mean, this Night of the Living Dead is a triumph for a movie that is basically Absolutely. made with like, hey, for let me peanuts. go to the local cheer, the, the local theater department and mm-hmm. just grab whoever's available to make up a family as... You know, the, the families again, from the script. An afternoon of auditions. But I, I don't have a problem with the acting in this movie. I think the acting in this movie is fine it's not i'm not looking for actors to make my issue is decisions made in a low budget situation decisions made that didn't help the story along uh little things that could have been done it would have helped every problem that george has it wouldn't help my problems because they still would have had her kill her mother with a trowel (laughs) But again, I love this movie. Don't don't get me wrong. I keep saying it that my issue. I don't have any issues with this movie. I only have issue with movies in general that are lazy when it comes to again character. I don't want to say development because that has to do with the script. But to me, some movies suffer from that. I and think that it depends on. I I think that a lot of times bad acting falls on the shoulders of the director. Yeah, you know, I but again, there's not really that much bad acting, and other than there's a few times with Barbara, I was like, oof. But I mean, everybody pretty was solid in this movie, yeah. ish yeah. for the budget. Again, sure, I'm, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it is. It's a low budget shot. Probably a lot of his friends were. In, I know he was even in the movie, the director. So yeah, I mean, it's shit, a lot this of this is like a what is this a seventy year old movie? Like, yeah, you know, like but there's, there's a lot there was, of movies from that time period. The sixty eight. There I mean, were like, Apocalypse Now came out back then. 
Yeah. Was it, what, 71, 72, there I think was like, came out? Did, there was just, like, camera angles and, like, cuts and stuff that just, like, just looked hokey. Well, they can't all me. be Dario like, Argento, man. Right. <laughs> it's, you know... And I and it and I didn't complain about that stuff because no. it's like, oh well it was done in sixty eight, so they didn't have. No. I'm not shitting on this movie at all. I, I I'm shitting me, on it a little bit. <laughs> I said I said to Dan, I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna like it because of the very things that you're talking about. Yeah. Like I watched it with I tried to tell nostalgia Travis to go in the other room <clears throat> and just watch it. As if George was watching it. And yeah, there was a few eye rolls. See, that's your first mistake. We got to let George watch it like George is going to watch it. That's we don't we have do. to watch it like George watches it. We can watch it any way we like. Well, Travis has watched it about 100,000 times. So good, man. So good. <clears throat> so, what did you say, Trav? I had a tickle. No, oh, Travis had a Ooh, tickle. He was tickling himself. He had, to, he had to hit the uh, the cough button. The cough button. Which in this studio is getting up and going <laughs> yeah. in the other room to, to cough. And then Dan cuts it out. <laughs> Dan is the cough button. Yeah. Dan in post is <laughs> the cough true. button. Well, I didn't want to cough. I didn't want to, you know, whatever. So yeah, we're only like <clears throat> six and a half feet apart. So right, we're we're actually too close for CDC. Technically, yes. <sighs> Speaking of CDC regulations, let's talk about the crisis in this movie a little bit because, in a lot of ways, I think this movie encompasses the ongoing unfolding of an unforeseen crisis. Better than any movie I can think of off the top of my head, right? Mm. You get the oh the the little hint about the radio at the beginning, you know, when it kicks on with the emergency broadcast. Oh no, <laughs> it's not the radio broken; the station's down. So it establishes right away that you've had enough of a break. You know, something has been wrong long enough that they literally just thought their car radio was broken on this long drive. Mm. Then mm-hmm. you get the emergency broadcast over the radio and over the TV, and this changing like. Maybe it's space radiation, but we really don't know. And then, like, you know, uh, stay tuned for more information. Stay tuned for more information. And this need to, like, keep your focus on the television in your house, right? Like, mm. this is 9-11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the 9-11 movie. Or, in our case, recently, this is the, you know, March 12th, March 13th. The whole country's going to shut down. Stay tuned. Yeah. Let's see what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. It's funny. I love how in Shaun of the Dead how they tackle it. Like that that gradual, you know, he hears a kind of a report going on or he's flicking through the channels and they fill in the blanks or mm-hmm. he's on the bus and he sees some guy attacking birds. Yes. Like there's all these little things are happening around him. I loved are... I loved in Shaun of the Dead how like all of the normal people looked like zombies. Well, that was so a different you, commentary. So you than, couldn't yeah. really tell, yeah, that's, could you? That's a different joke, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. That was that was a whole commentary on everybody's face buried in their phones. And yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, which this movie didn't have. This is more of a uh, racial equality type movie, right? Different time period, but yeah. But I just love how they tackle that whole emergency thing. Well, and now like that it's we've, happening in the background, now that we've been through it. <laughs> As a uh, yeah, as a country together, we've been, I mean, we went through this as we were planning the podcast. This whole thing, the mm-hmm. country shuts down. What is more? What is more true to what happened? Is it the Shaun of the Dead, gradual, 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 or is it Night of the Living Dead? Oh God, the country just shut down. Because mm. I'm going to say Ooh, both. Well, for me, I guess because I work in casino business, ours was gradual. 
because we were like we were getting hints of the shutdown, but then we just shut down and everybody got laid off. Like it was it was it was like wow. Yeah, I think it's a for me this last year was definitely more like Night of the Living Dead, right. where it just you know it. You heard reports about this virus in Wuhan and China and blah blah blah, blah. and I'm just thinking like it's another. It's never gonna get. It's here. another yeah. swine flu. It's another SARS or whatever. It'll be out of here in six months. When you know we'll never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it went. That's not how it went down. No, <laughs> so yeah, I mean and, yeah, they did not. It and the did country not shut down way. like that. So yeah, I think it was much more like mm-hmm. none of the living dead for me. Anyway, I think I got both. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you get like, a little both. Yeah, we were we were having meetings. We were like, oh, you know, this is possibly going to happen, and now this is but happening. But that had to be in the course of a couple of days. Yeah, it was about a week and a half. We were, like, preparing for, lay- we had, like, a few layoffs, and then certain things were shut down. Yeah. And then before, you know, March 13th, it was, like, everybody going unemployment and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> It was more like this movie, where you're like, oh, shit, you go turn on the radio and everything is the emergency broadcast system. Well, and then you get to see how everybody acts in a crisis, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You get yeah. to see the, yeah. the turn in some of your friends where you're just like, oh, that's what you do yeah. in a crisis. Okay, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. Sometimes in your own family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always kind of, dude, I don't know if you do this, Dan, but when you think about like that possibility, for me, it's always been like an EMP or something. Like, do you look at people and you're like, oh, they would... I need them on my team or I'm staying so far away from them. People. I absolutely think that. <laughs> I mean, okay. So it's kind of judgmental, but a little background. Uh back in the early aughts when I was in college, uh, I was a little obsessed with these movies. And this is before mm. Walking Dead was a thing. And unfortunately, I could I'd already kind of burned out and moved on to other things like Jalo by the time Walking Dead was a thing, or I would have eaten that show up. Mm-hmm. But I remember my wife saying when, because uh, we were dating in college, she told her friend, you know, oh, hey, I'm I'm dating this guy, and he's really, really smart, and he's really, really handsome. I might be exaggerating some of this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she told her friend, hey, yeah, he's really into horror movies. He, he really likes zombie movies. And I remember her friend being like, ugh, like, mm. who likes zombie movies? And then, you know, mm. three years later, The Walking Dead's the biggest show on TV, and I look like a fucking genius. But... For a mm-hmm. while there, it was kind of tenuous as to whether I was a crazy person. And so, yeah, I, I tell you that to tell you this. Uh, we spent a lot of our college years not only deciding who amongst our friends wouldn't be welcome in our survival survival Alamo, but also, mm-hmm. you know, planning your Alamo, right? Like, mm-hmm. how when it, comes, when it goes down, uh, how are we going to secure ourselves from the walking dead? A lot yeah. of planning. There was one uh, group I heard of, they... They purposely rented storage lockers across the country, Ooh. and put supply put supplies in them. That's very mm-hmm. bad. And he sat down and he fig yeah he figured out how far he could travel in a day on foot, and he got a storage locker. And then he figured out how far you could travel in a day on foot from there, and got another storage locker. And then he filled those storage lockers with, you know, survival provisions. supplies. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's really genius and wasteful. <laughs> that's going too far. I yeah. would just stock up on ammunition. You might need a welfare check on that guy. Because I bet he's not yeah. doing so well right now. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you need you want that... Uh, like for me, I always thought to myself, okay, I got kids. Where the hell am I going to go? 
I can't go to the mountains because the only road to the friggin' mountains no, you is can't the bug out. <laughs> you can't. You can't bug out. Map. You have to hunker down. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think where we live, it's so congested with people. If you try to get to the countryside, you can't. You'll get. You you'll, can't bug you'll be screwed. out. You have right. to hunker down. Or you can bug out so- south. You can bug out south, but you can't go to the mountains. You can go to like Mantua or wherever. You can go to the sticks, but you can't go to the mountains. Right. Because going through Philly, it's not going to happen. Right. From where we are geographically, right. it would work. You'd have to go work. down towards the shore. I don't even know if that would work, dude. I've seen the traffic on a Friday Back afternoon. Roads. You'd have to go out into the sticks, like the, no, the Pine Barrens. If everyone's doing it, though. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you go out to the sticks and you join a militia. Seemed to work out <laughs> good for those guys. They had coffee and shit. Well, I always thought of like wait, which red. which militia are you talking about? The ones at the end, the the good old boys running around with their hunting rifles. At the very end of this movie, yeah. See, I always thought of like Red Dawn, like the the kids that you know got out of town and and headed to the mountains. Like they they stopped at the little general store, grabbed all the canned goods, got a few rifles, got some hunting gear, and then they just went into the mountains in their pickups, and that's where they hunkered down. Yeah, we can't do that here, not where I live. You have some mountains out there, though, right? We got hills. I don't uh, know if you... Yeah, they're not hills. mountains. You'd have to go over to Tennessee for that. Gotcha. So a couple of tropes that we hinted at, but I, I think for the sake of things to come, we should probably discuss uh, tropes that were born from this movie that you've seen in The Walking Dead, but in every other zombie movie since then. You know, in the way that Halloween creates your invincible killer, this movie mm-hmm. gives you... Strangers of disparate backgrounds in a shelter, uh, the f- mm-hmm. the internal dissent and distrust between the humans that are still alive, right, and the conflicts that that leads to. Uh, you've got to have your Alamo, and the final collapse of the structure. No matter what it is that they build, right, no matter how fortified that house is, it's coming down, right? It falls. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. those uh, those zombies are getting in. And what's going to happen when they finally do, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my favorite trope is the person's been bit and nobody knows it yet because they're hiding it. In this case, it's a kid right. and you really can't blame him because it's so early in the crisis. You know, it's not guaranteed that that bite is going to turn her into a zombie or a ghoul. Like they they make it a point to be like, oh, hey, those zombies are probably pretty germy, Right. You don't have that immediate <laughs> curse thing. That, I mean, if anything, later on, it seems like the vampire thing gets into mm. the uh, the zombie trope a little bit more than it is here. You've already got some vampirism in the idea that a bite can turn you into one of these things. But later zombie movies are going to kind of make, especially the disease-based ones, are going to make it mm-hmm. very much vampire. You're bit, now you're going to be a zombie, and it's just inevitable. Let's see how long you've got until you're a zombie. This one yep. doesn't really have that yet, but it's on the road to that. Like this is the first movie that I can think of where there is some kind of vampire transmission. It's just in this movie, it's not necessarily a bite. It can also be any other means of murder. Most zombie movies before that were not that way. Did the mom change? Does he shoot the mom while she's being eaten by the kid? No. Just shoots the. He goes downstairs. She has a trail on her chest. I'm just wondering if she changes, because then that establishes very early that she was never bit, and she still turned. I don't remember. Hmm. 
Yeah, I would look into that because that was like a big surprise in Walking Dead was they find out doesn't matter how you die, you're coming back that way. So, well, but they had that in this one. They they say that like on one of the broadcasts that any manner of death, do that. any manner of death can lead to you coming back in a few minutes gotcha. or something. So it's one of those things. It's going to evolve in the future. You know, in the years between this and Walking Dead, they're going to change that rule such that it becomes more predictable for the audience and creates more dramatic irony for the cast. Yeah, it's almost more like a, a venom bite where it just, whatever the infection is, travels from the bite right. into the body as opposed to you just dying from the bite because it's a vicious bite and you lost a lot of blood. Right. Also, I guess when you talk about the radiation cause, which, again, they never nail it down as being you know, definitely the cause because it's too early in the crisis to know, right? Right. Uh, I like mm-hmm. this because you even have the change in tactic where they're like, oh, everybody, you got to hunker down indoors. And then they're like, oh, God, we're changing the tactic. Now you've all got to go to rescue stations, right? Like very much the flying mm-hmm. by the seat of their pants leadership and government trying to find the best yeah. way now versus 10 minutes ago versus three days ago. Very realistic. Yes. Uh, like now we have safe zones. Good luck getting there. Right, right. <laughs> Everybody get to New Zealand quick. Uh, hide hide <laughs> your cough so they don't know you've got the disease. Right, like right. <laughs> all this stuff is so more so much more real now than it was even after nine eleven. When I used to think, oh god, this movie is nine eleven. Like, whoa, no, <laughs> this it's uh, yeah, whoo, scary. Just a scary movie overall, though. I mean, we don't talk. We haven't talked about the horror of it yet because you guys are also desensitized to zombie violence but <laughs> as a child in the dark watching this movie this is one of the few movies that i can remember giving me like straight up like did i just hear something outside kind of nightmares because it is very effective uh mm. but you guys are too desensitized for it to work anymore and that's okay i think i might have actually seen the remake before i watched this movie in a like in full like, I had seen parts of it growing up, but I think seeing the remake made me go back and watch it, because I wasn't watching anything. I mean, my dad let me watch, like, tried to educate me on black and white movies. Mm. You know, I saw Mighty Joe Young and King Kong and all, like, I was, uh, okay, Frankenstein. Black and white was fine with me, but I had already seen enough blood and guts in the 80s that this kind of movie never really intrigued me i was like it's not gonna scare me it's pointless desensitized well yeah but not desensitized in like a like a tom savini in vietnam desensitized like i just it took a lot like i always said i was never scared of anything horror related because it was just i knew the special i wanted to be a special effects artist i wanted to be involved in that it was cool whatever but spiritual or supernatural stuff scared me so the zombies never scared me. I just wanted to see cool shit. There's not much cool shit in this movie. Now, yeah. George, have you ever seen any of the 50s monster movies? I don't know. You know like a, Attack of the 50-Foot Tarantula or Giant <laughs> no. Praying Mantis Attack or whatever those movies were. No. Godzilla? Have you ever seen Godzilla? The original, probably not. No. So all these movies are like the post-atomic horror movies, right? Technology going awry, in this most specific cases, atomic technology going awry. It's the same kind of themes we've seen lately in stuff like Westworld, but 
whereas Westworld was current computer technology, in the 50s, it was, oh, God, radiation, what have we done? Mm. What have we done? What have we done? What have we done? This movie has that, too. And you're going to see that kind of go by the wayside pretty quick because it's only so long that you can, like, be afraid of radiation as a like as a movie going audience for whatever reason uh radiation is the key here and it's like the tail end of what was happening in the 50s Mm. but that doesn't really stick around so much it really does transition quickly to other technologies and then eventually disease and disease seems to be the one that just kind of sticks yeah because you know disease is you know radiation kind of behaves the same way every time right like, Nat- natural world is scarier than anything man-made. Isn't that the truth, yeah. though? Like, reality is stranger than fiction. It's also scarier. But you think about, like, anything microscopic in your body, and and just, to me, that's way scarier yeah. than any fallout issue. Just gets in there. Mutation's scary. It's just living in there. Can't find yeah, it, can't like, get it. Keeps multiplying, man. It's in there, man. But that's like, I like when they get more... We're all infected. Um, we're all infected. And they try to get really... Um, use the science to the point where you sit there and you go, okay, yeah, this is a movie about chimpanzees that talk. But, like, you know, Planet of the Apes, the remakes. But they... Is that what that's about? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. But they take... <laughs> they They make it a natural reason why it happened. Uh-huh. And a natural mutation based on infection uh-huh. and you're like okay I get it they're trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's mutation mm-hmm. and all this stuff causes this and that before you know it it gets out human race gets wiped out natural world adapts like to me that's scarier because that could happen tomorrow because we don't know half the shit they're exper- experimenting with they're experimenting with shit that should never be touched that's why and I love we that. need to experiment right. with shit that should never be touched because you might yeah, find a cure for we're it. Or the hum- we're the right. human race. We're going to touch that shit. You're going to touch it. So, but like like Malcolm says, you know, you, you're so worried about if you could, you never thought about if you should. You should. And it's right. like that's to me what the later zombie movies when they make it about infection makes it a lot more scarier than a satellite crash. Like, yeah, I think the uh, the viral. Zombie is the only one that I've ever really known. Right. Before this movie, it's always been a disease. But sometimes they take that and they they kick it up a notch, and then you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm partial so to voodoo zombies. They just seem like the OG zombie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. I like they are the OG. I like zombie. me a, a voodoo zombie. I don't mind. The radiation thing, it's fine. I like that it's never in like concrete that that is actually the cause, but that's just the best guess they have mm-hmm. right now in this moment. Well, they do mention it a few times. Yeah, but it's over the course of one day, you know? Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's like, well, we have this coincidental thing, and it could be this, but, you know, who knows? Right. And I think in Shaun of the Dead, in one of those newscasts, they do mention something crash-landed. Oh yeah, they've got to. I mean, from yeah, they do that. That they've whole satellite gotta, they, thing. I mean, just like the Winchester, they have to pay homage yeah. to this movie because this movie kicks ass. 
At least it's very important, <laughs> even if you don't like it. But you should like it. Cause yeah, it's awesome. I get it. It's important. I get it. <laughs> Mom, stay there. We're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's all in there. Well, can we? T- I know you would probably have plenty to say on this. The the commentary, the racial commentary in this movie. That gets it? that. That's something that I know Romero was purposely doing. It is brave and commendable. Because I mean, those guys with the guns at the end—they are basic clansmen. I mean, they're <laughs> pretty much yeah. Yeah. So it's they they shoot without asking any questions. They they see them in their scope, and they're I mean, in their defense, they are taking them out from pretty far away at the end. Like they're. They're scoping them, and they're they're hitting them from fifty yards away. Yeah, I thought you were just talking about the leading role being. No, but I guy. know I I've read store uh, you know articles and have seen interviews where Romero is making a commentary. It's nineteen sixty eight. It's right after the Watts riots. It's it's there's a lot going on in the world at that time racially, mm-hmm. and you know the ending has a lot to do with that that. That whole, I would, I would love to <laughs> just go right to an interview that he's given. I don't want to say anything that he hasn't said, but I know that that I, I wasn't sure if Dan was aware. Well, and could elaborate. How do you, how do you cover something like that? You know, uh, here's what I would say: in a movie that has made it a specific point to show reluctance to kill living beings, even mm-hmm. in an environment filled with undead. Uh, who look like the living in a lot of ways, uh, being killed. Uh, there is a reluctance to kill each other in even within the structure of that house, right? It is definitely an intentional move to have the caustic ending that they have mm-hmm. here. The disregard for human life, and in this case, especially you know the black lead, uh, who spends the whole movie exceeding all the expectations of a cynical 60s viewing audience Mm -hmm. and to tease you with survival only to have him fall at the hands of a militia that has already shown itself to not take any kind of hesitation, not show any kind of uh, empathy toward these beings that they're just hunting, right? For them to just not even double check to see whether this individual is a living person and to just happily shoot him and drag him out with meat hooks. Hmm. I don't know that we need to talk about I think it stands on its own. I think it says what it mm-hmm. needs to say. And it's one of the best endings in the genre. Like it is such a gut punch after spending time with Ben, after seeing him overcome everything within the dynamic of that household and in the face of crisis and finally protect himself well enough to survive and be reached by the help he was waiting for only to be shot down. And in a lot of ways, just because of how he looks like that's enough like that. It it makes Mm -hmm. the statement for us. And the decision to do it in the stills you know, instead of showing yeah. them dragon, but just, oh my God. Ugh. The end of this movie is so hard to watch and well executed that it glosses over any mistakes made in the first half of this movie. Like, 
Right. Oh, God. Does that help you a little bit more with the ending, or are you still, eh? I mean, in a good zombie movie or show, the the prominence of the role should not be a guarantee that that person will not die. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> you walking dead um, people. You walking person, dead people. <laughs> a person in any role, no matter how important, should be able to die at any time. I agree with that partially. Like he's saying walking dead people. Like I think there's a redeeming quality in letting people survive, but I do like the on edge feel that you don't know if someone's going to survive. It does add to the drama of a situation. Like if you think we've, we've covered John McClane, John Rambo, we've covered that. Mm -hmm. So it kind of plays into that. You know, they're not going to die. They're a freaking star. Right. They're, they're the badass lines. They're, they're everything. They're not going to die. They're going to have 19 of these movies. You're right. never going to feel that, uh, holy shit, he just fell off that building. You know he's going to find something to grab onto. A helicopter, a falling hose, you know, surf down on glass. You know he's not going to die. So it, right. it's just entertainment. But if you think that your main character, and we've established this with Scream, and Psycho, if you think at any point your main character can die, then it adds to the drama and the fear. So I, he's saying you walking dead people, but to me that's, that's what makes that show good for me because, yeah, that guy's my main character, but at any point he could die. And that's what makes any situation more stressful because you don't know who's coming home after that mission or that picking session or that confrontation you don't know well see but the, to right. me, the thing about walking dead that you guys have made clear to me as a non-viewer just from our show is that as soon as they started developing a character giving you insight into their background you knew uh-oh you know clock's ticking on this character that's not those with that's, the red shirts that's not I'm always about true main characters we're talking about the the main main people the red shirts yeah you know when they start developing Jim's wife. Yeah, when Jim's they when they start bit. when they start having an arc, you know. Yeah. You're like, okay, that guy was just like churning butter two weeks ago and now he's going out on hunts. But there are other he's, ones he's like like Dale. Like Right, you never know. Like Dale just like was in a field and got bit. Right. Like straight up. And like Dale was the guy that had the R V. Like he was the leader. Oh not really the leader, I guess. He was supposed to last four more seasons. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Like Dale was not supposed to die. Neither was um the sharpshooter. What the hell was her name? Andrea. Andrea was. She was supposed, supposed to, to be die. still alive today. Yep. So um, you just never know. But if you were an audience in nineteen sixty eight and you've seen <laughs> Ben, you know, lifeguard punch Barbara. I'm gonna put it as lifeguard punch and not bitch slap. <laughs> Because in a lot of ways, okay. you know, if you if a lifeguard is dragging someone through the ocean or through a swimming pool and they're struggling too and much that it's right, going right, to kill right. them both, the lifeguard punches the person in the face to stun them and then drags them out of the water. Right. No, I hear so, you. I was okay. thinking it's more a like, lifeguard punch. I was yeah. thinking more like air, airplane when that chick's flipping out in the airplane <laughs> and everybody lines up the smack. Right. <laughs> different. <laughs> a little different. Uh, but anyway, uh, for the audience in 1968, I think you... I don't know that your expectation is that Ben is even your protagonist from the beginning. Like he shows leadership potential, but I, I wonder if the implicit bias of an audience in 1968 
will hesitate to make him your survivor girl from the front. Mm-hmm. I think you're supposed right. to believe it's going to be Barbara, and then you're probably mm-hmm. supposed to believe that the good old boy who goes out to the gas pump and his girlfriend, like the young couple right. who aren't jerks, I think you're really supposed to think that these are your survivors if there's even going to be you know, any of these people die. Or Johnny. You never actually watched... I mean, yeah, you did his head on the headstone, but you never watch him die and or get eaten. At some point, you might be thinking, maybe Johnny saves them. Right. Johnny could come back. Yeah. So I don't know that it's as... You know, they're not telegraphing the move as much as I think we would expect them to today in a 2021 environment. Same with, you know, this isn't quite the Janet Lee, Drew Barrymore move where you show one person just to trick people and then halfway through the movie you flip it on them. Like, this is mm. just, it's a its a slightly different move to have, like, an unlikely hero make it to the end. And I think the feeling you're supposed to have is, oh, thank God, my unlikely hero mm-hmm. is going to make it through and then you get this gut punch at the end, which is the just another hit on the theme of you cannot trust the people. The people are the threat, right? Right. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, it's beautiful. It's horrible. It works so well because it's still effective today for a first time viewer, unless you've already seen the walking dead, in which case it may not be as effective. With that said, I liked the abruptness and the gut punchiness. Mm -hmm. It's tragic. I thought that too. I was like, Oh, that's so tragic. I love it. It's so beautiful. But (laughs) I also thought, I just went out like a bitch. Well, but the key is that they don't even take the time to say, hey, you live in there? Right. Mm-hmm. They, They're just like, oh, right, black no, eye, bam. They, right? They That's are, why I think what George was saying, that there, not enough time went by where the the walkers, undead, zombies, whatever, uh, would have left the house. They would still be trying to get down that ba- basement door, and to have that happen would have allowed those guys to go in the house. Then they would have taken out what was in front of the door, and then they could have not killed him. But then that's doesn't. And then there's then nothing the tragic about the that. The director's making no statement, and right. there's no there's no right. tragedy. There's nothing the tragic. End, yeah. In hmm. the hands of somebody with that knowledge, and then a few years, something different could be done. But at the time, that's the ending that needed to happen. And are you going to get a that's more effective, horrible ending than Meat Hooks? And just no. like goofing, joking around, good old boy, you know. Like, uh, to me, the meat hooks aren't as bad as the line. That line that the guy says, that's a haunting line. Which when he one? says, another one for the fire. Ugh. Mm. And you're just like, fucking dick. Yeah. Like, you just killed somebody. Didn't even ask if he was uh, alive or dead or undead or, is this your house? Do you live here? Nothing. Yeah. Boom. But then again, he wasn't like waving his arms like, hey, come save me. He was kind of peering. Like he was not, I w- if I was a black man in 1968, I wouldn't trust a yard full of white guys with guns. I guess that's true too. I'm not thinking that way. Yeah. I mean, that's that's li- that's like lynching situation. People yeah. were being lynched back then. So yeah. um, that doesn't, I, I totally get that. The only difference is it's not, you know, the backwoods of Georgia. It's It's Pennsylvania and. I don't think that shit was happening in in Western Pennsylvania. I could be wrong. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was probably not as prevalent. Let's put it that way. I, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. 
But then again, I don't know where he's from. He could be on a road trip like they are. He could be from Tennessee. He could be from Alabama, where a yard full of guys with shotguns would scare the shit out of you. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's funny. I didn't even think that. What I was thinking was, hey, when you saw those guys, like, killing all the zombies in your yard, like, wouldn't you just, like... Wave your hands and say, hey! Like, come out onto the porch and be like, I'm alive, I'm alive! (laughs) You're like C-3PO. But I guess... Over here! Yeah, but I guess not (laughs) if, uh... I guess guess not if you're a black man in 1968. Yeah. Yeah. But this movie gets better the more we talk about it, right, George? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I might watch it again. Hopefully we inspire you to want to watch it again. You know what would be good? Watch it with the commentary. Yeah. Listen listen to what the director's talking about. Maybe he'll give you some insight on why certain things are going on. Because I'm, I'm going to do that. Okay. Because I'm curious uh, about his decision to let them use tools. I want to see if he talks about it. Yeah. Because, again, the rocks don't bother me. That the Gorillas do that. You know, ch- chimpanzees will do that. I thought that, too. The chair leg or the table leg, that was a little much. And then obviously the trowel is what threw me over. The rocks, eh, yeah. The basic, most basic. Yeah, I was kind of like, I was okay with the tools as long as they were like tools that were being used to get to the thing you're trying to eat. Right. But it just makes them think too much. And that's what bothered me. Yeah, the brains are supposed to be. I mean, they're supposed to be lobotomized, basically. But anyway. What are we watching next week, guys? So, I don't know. Travis, uh, <laughs> we've been through a night of living dead. Mm-hmm. Do you want to let George know what's going on? Do we let him fully know what's going on, or we just tell him what we're Well, on? you know, George, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't know if you've been keeping track, <laughs> but this this is the 13th episode of season two. Mm-hmm. And so... We think you're working a little hard, and you kind of deserve a break. I agree. But it's 2021, and here's the thing. (laughs) You might have signed up for a spring break, but I'm afraid you might have got a spring out break. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming to get you, George. (laughs) They're coming for you, George. So what we're going to do since you are one of those walking dead people, we're going to take a stroll down the genre lane of zombie type outbreak movies. Let's do it. And we're going to continue with a little film that followed this film. I guess it would be the next morning. (laughs) Dawn of the Dead, which is pretty much the quintessential zombie movie of... Romero fans and zombie fans. Am I wrong in saying that? You're going to recognize these zombies and rules a lot more closely, George. Yeah. Okay. This is the zombie movie. Oh, yeah. Very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which cut is he going to watch? Is he going to watch the Argento cut or the Cannes cut or the, the traditional uh, director's cut? I don't know. What cut do you want? You probably ought to watch the director's cut because I think he'd bitch too much if we watched the long one. (laughs) (laughs) Director's cut of Dawn of the Dead. I'm all for it. Me too. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at Remedial Film Pod. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. 
You can find the extra credit discussion group at facebook.com slash groups slash remedial film pod. And you can email us at remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll see you back sooner than you think for Dawn of the Dead, 1976. But yeah, you uh, we're not going to tell you anything about Dawn of the Dead, of course, because Mm-mm. we don't ever tell you anything ahead of time. But I, right. we're very excited to talk to you about Dawn of the Dead. Okay. And future endeavors. I'm excited too. I'm not going to make you watch Burial Grounds. Yeah, we're not going to watch like every Romero zombie we movie. We don't have to watch Zombie Lake. We don't have to watch... You have a bunch of zombie movies lined up though, right? I mean, yeah. For oh, yeah. spring break? Yeah, we got... Okay. We got yeah, we've been talking about this for like three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. As we were building the Scream, we have been building the zombie movies. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, you can trace a line through, you know, Westworld, Dirty Harry, Rambo, like this. Yeah, you're ready now. Yeah, because you're going to meet a lot of Rambos and a lot of John McClane's. We're going to spend a lot of time <laughs> lot of in SWAT Harry's. Corner coming up, so it's <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Very good. Hopefully, we'll be doing, you know, some movies that you've heard of but maybe never have seen and wanted to see. Probably a bunch. And a couple maybe you've never heard of, but you damn sure mm. should have. Word. <laughs>